Hello, and welcome to another episode of Previously Learned with myself, James Shaw. Unfortunately, my co-host, Michael McLaughlin, couldn't join me this time, so I'm flying solo. What could possibly go wrong? I'm stoked to say on this uh, episode of Previously Learned, we have our first world champion, and so early on in the journey too. It was an absolute privilege and treat to sit down with none other than former WBU welterweight boxing world champion, Ryan Barrett, in October of this year, that being October 2022. It was a fantastic conversation and Ryan has certainly had some experiences. So as an introduction, here's some Ryan Barrett stats for you. Ryan turned pro in 2002 and fought Amir Khan in 2006. 2012, he was English champion and by 2013, he was WBU welterweight champion. However, by 2014, Ryan unfortunately had to retire due to medical reasons. Ryan then became an international coach, coaching the Cayman Islands at various tournaments, including the Commonwealth Games. Ryan is now back in the UK as a coach and runs the highly successful boxing gym Gumshield with his dad Steve. There is a link to Gumshield in the podcast notes, uh, but do check out www.gumshieldgym.co.uk. I cannot recommend them highly enough, incredibly welcoming place and did wonders for me physically and mentally. So on that note, without further ado, here is Previously Learned with Ryan Barrett. I hope you enjoy. So Ryan, Ryan Barrett, thanks for joining me. Um, but before I start, I just want to say, generally want to say, um, obviously, so when I first come into Gumshield a good few years ago, um, I was in a bit of a funny place with obviously losing my mum and dad. Uh, but the way I want to say thank you to you, your dad, Steve, and Robin Louie uh, for taking me under your wing and coming and, you know, showing me the ropes. It really meant a lot to me, sorted me out physically and mentally as well. So generally, thank you very much for doing that. It is a really welcoming place to come, Shield. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, our pleasure. Like I say, it's always uh, great to have people like you that want to achieve something. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. So, um, if we kick off and talk about you and your career. So, from memory, you start your turn pro in 2002. Uh, had 44 fights, I believe, 30 wins. Then you had the Amir Khan fight in 2006. English Superweight Featherweight Champion in 2008. And WO, uh, WBU, sorry, world champ, uh, welterweight in 2013. So it's a very, very good career, very luscious career. Where did it all yeah. start from? How did, how did you get to that point? Well, it was a, a long, a, a little bit of a long process, ups and downs. Um, where it all started from was um, I grew up in Thamesmead. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much like a, a council estate, you know, like yeah. probably most boxers and uh, people live, trying to live a dream. Um, and, um, I was always in and out of trouble a little bit at school, like nothing too major, but fighting and, yeah, you know, yeah. the, the usual stuff. Um, but, um, before that really is that my dad told me that, you know, I was putting on weight and, you know, maybe some activity would be good for me, you know, mm-hmm. whether it be football or, you know, whatever the local sport was. And I was never really a team player, really, if I'm, if I'm honest, you yeah. know, I couldn't, couldn't really adapt to playing football. So I went to the local boxing gym, which was um, which was Thamesmead Boxing Club, mm-hmm. and so I learned the the basics there. Um, but pretty much all as an orthodox boxer, right? Um, and I'm a, I'm a left-handed, uh, yeah. so in that era, I suppose left-handed people, you know, had to do what everyone else was doing. Yeah. Um, so eventually, once my dad got involved, more so, maybe a few months down the line, um, he was like, "No, I'm not having this." Like let me take the reins and start mm-hmm. teaching. And, you know, he started showing me more and become the coach down at Thames me to start with. 
Right. Um, uh, but that didn't last very long um, because, you know, like you know, is my dad's quite a hard taskmaster. Mm-hmm. Um, and wants everyone to achieve the best that they can for their, yeah. their own personal reasons. And staying at Thamesmead probably wasn't the best for me. Um, so we left there um, when I was about eight and we left and went to box for my dad's amateur club that he was a boxer of when he was young, which was Eltman District. Right. So that was how the journey really started. I went there and started having a career, you know, for obviously you can only box when you're 11. So as soon as from when we turned up there from eight to 11, ideas of training, sparring, um, gym shows in the club spas, and it just pretty much snowballed out of control from there. It's kind of worked out that, so people say that I was good. Yeah. Um, and then when I got to 11, I was winning, winning, winning. Yeah. And that, like I say, the, the rest pretty much kind of goes yeah. um, as the stories, so people say. Yeah, no, it's a great career, you know. It's, uh, but at what point did you realise you were you were talented for it? Was, did you know yourself at that point or did people say to you like, yeah. Your dad had a few fights as well, right? Yeah, so my dad was um, 120 fights in as an amateur, um, never national champion, but like quarters and semifinals. Yeah. Um, and I am happy to admit, probably as an amateur, those kind of eras were harder. They mm-hmm. boxed three times one night, uh, where we obviously changed to only twice one night in championships. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was... It kind of like once people kept saying to my dad, really, oh, like Ryan could have a good career out of this. And then, you know, is I was four years running national champion. Um, mm-hmm. I got to box some of the best fighters in the amateur game at the time in England and in the world. You know, is mm-hmm. I'd boxed in Germany, I'd boxed in South Africa, um, I'd boxed England, Ireland, Scotland, and Wales. Uh, never the four, I never actually boxed in the, the tournament that is now the Four Nations or the Three mm-hmm. Nations. Uh, that went around when I was boxing, but every year you'd fight England versus Ireland, England versus Scotland, England versus Wales. You know, that would be standard um, yeah. as an England international. Um, and then just as I started nudging up, probably about 14 or 15, I started sparring a lot of um, guys who were professional but lighter weights, like Mickey Cantwell. I was Mickey Cantwell's sparring partner for a few of his world title fights. Right. Um, as a as a fifteen year old, and you know, Mickey always said to me that I could have a really good career. And um, I used to as a boy spar with a gentleman who's a really top class coach now, Eddie Lamb. Mm-hmm. Um, he used to come and spar me regularly. So he was thirty, I was like fifteen, sixteen. Jesus. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was always a bit tough, but yeah, um, I, I learned. Yeah, it, like I say, it was a battlefield and. Uh, Good learning curve for me to keep me in good stead. You know, it weren't always a bed of roses. You know, sometimes you get hit and hurt, you know, as part yeah. of the fight game. But you have to kind of just work it out yourself. So, there's going to be a bit of a cliche, but the Mike Tyson comment, right? So, everyone's got a plan to get hit in the face. Is that true? Is it? Of of course. And that goes both sides, right? So, yeah. you've you've got a plan <clears throat> that your coach wants you to stick to and, um, you know, your opponent is is sometimes maybe you can get there quicker, you know, yeah. to back up what the other person's trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's certainly a different kettle of fish when you're getting it as a 15-year-old by a man mm-hmm. of 30 or somebody yeah. who's a world title challenger. You know, they're hitting you in spots that 
you didn't realise could be it at that time and like fully extended with a jab and everything you into the belly and yeah, you know, it's, it's different. It really is different. So what happens in that case, right? So obviously you're, you're corner saying do one thing, but are you then thinking on the hoof yourself, thinking do I listen to the corner or you think I'm the one in the ring here? I need to, I'm seeing this or yeah, well that that will come down to an individual, right? So you really in theory you should stick to what your coach is telling you. Yeah. But if every time like I've been in fights and you're throwing the jab or you you know you're landing you've you're having success with your left hand but you don't as a person think that you are yeah kind of thing every time i throw it i might be getting caught back and is he hurting you you know yeah. it's how your own mind works and that's what i suppose sometimes where the mental side comes in you know is you, you really should listen to the coach but as, yeah. a, as a as a natural animal you know is if you perhaps stab a bear yeah keep coming back does make yeah. for a few and then realize hang on this is hurting yeah. So it's it, yeah, it's tricky, and I have been in fights that you kind of stick to the plan and you get away with it, and mm -hmm. then there's other times I've tried to stick to the plan, deviated from it, mm -hmm. and then you suffer the consequences of either yeah. being stopped or um, or losing. And I've had both of them. I've been stopped getting the plan wrong, yeah. And then I've been winning the fight, changing my mind and thinking that, that ain't working, and then get beat on points. You know, it's oh, really the catch twenty two, right? Yeah, so so leads on to know how do you deal with that then? So you've got your you've had your fight, you then the wins are wins, but then the losses, you know, how does that affect your mindset going into the next one? Or do you do you like do the analysis on the back of that and think, oh, I know where I went wrong, or this is you know, or even like things like um a judge's decision, clearly not the right decision, but the judge has done it. How do you deal with that kind of emotion, right? Yeah, well, over the years, I've not been uh, suppose, supposedly the best loser in those situations. Mm -hmm. You know, as I've had to have security take me out of rings, you know, is when I'm arguing the toss that, you know, one time I boxed in Denmark, I won by a ref stop contest. Mm -hmm. um, a few minutes later, they changed the, the result to uh, a draw. Like, can, I, can they do that? Apparently so. Apparently so. Like... Today, this morning, I was just flicking. Obviously, we knew he was going to have this. Yeah. So I was flicking through some pictures, and uh, it just one of them would come up. You know, I'd knocked him over in round three or something. And then in round five, I think we had a head clash. Yeah. Um, cut was pretty bad. You know, I was miles ahead on points. Um, yeah. And then, obviously, I initially ref stop contest, I won. And then, mm. you know, what happens, happens between coaches and yeah. officials and then they drag me back to the middle give me a I think I've got a public warning for two points and uh, then the fight become a draw it's like so, okay mate so in the heat of the moment that happens how, how do you how do you deal with the emotion of that when you're because you still got to think clearly right in the ring and stuff well yeah you got the ca I had the cameras on me and you're trying to conduct yourself as well as you can but yeah um, as a later life obviously i do battle with mental health as well mm -hmm. uh, since my career ended. But, you know, perhaps it was something that was happening whilst I was fighting. Yeah. You know, my language in the ring wasn't pretty friendly. Um, yeah. And, you know, it can be a little bit like that. You know, how, how it goes, do I do I call yeah. the madness? You know, uh, my dad's pretty calm, as you know. Yeah. So he, um, he kind of deals with the situation and they got the security to get me out of the ring and take me backstage and... Uh, the usual escort me back to my my, my room and yeah. you know and you have to just pretty much suck it up and it's what's happened really and 
Um, we've been blessed with, oh, me and my sister have both been blessed that we both got both parents, yeah. um, you know, both good role models. Mm. Um, and, you know, so if we did, if I did lose, my dad always used to say, you know, is, you know, the best lost, Muhammad Ali lost, you know, Sugar Ray lost, you know, so you have to just kind of get back on there and, 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 and get on that bike and ride it again. Yeah. But then I guess on the other side, you know, 2013 WBU uh, world champion. How did that feel? Well, that was that was the highlight, one of the highlights of my career. You know, is you know every boxer, I suppose, always wants to be a world champion. Yeah. Um, that wasn't solely my goal as a boxer. I had I had 75 amateur fights with 60 wins, and like I said earlier, you know, four-time national champion. It was just that they were the fights were coming less and less. I weren't getting the competition I wanted, so that was why I turned professional so early in my career. Um, you know, as I was fighting once, twice a year, or three times if I got international call. So I never turned professional thinking I was Floyd Mayweather or Muhammad Ali. I just wanted to compete with some of the best fighters in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got the phone call um, early November to fight. Uh, for the world title in Germany. I think it was originally against a German. Um, But at last minute, or not pretty last minute, but close to it, it changed opponent. Mm -hmm. And they got somebody in that had previously beat me, uh, which was Jeffrey Monika, decent decent Kenyan. Um, And the only reason he beat me the first time was because it was down at lightweight, Mm -hmm. which is... um, uh, nine nine, mm-hmm. and I just couldn't keep making the weight. You know, I'm five foot eleven. Yeah. You know, trying to drill myself down. I did tell the promoter on that night, I don't think I can make this weight. And he said I'd contracted. You know, I've got to yeah. do what I've got to do. So I did. I won the first five rounds, and then just I literally just couldn't hold my hands up no more. Um, yeah. I passed out in the middle of the ring. Yeah. Got got counted out, lost. Uh, so when I did get the phone call to fight, and it was going to be eventually him. I did tell the promoter then this isn't going to last very long, you know. Is I, I am the better fighter, um, yeah. and you know, is kind of took away a bit of the um, the spark of being a world champion because I kind of knew that I was genuinely the better fighter. Right. Yeah. Um, but hey, you no one no one can take away that I won a version of a world title. You know is. It's not the WBC that Floyd Mayweather holds, mm-hmm. but you know, is it's one of the world titles that. Well, it's a world recognize. title, right? It's a world Powerful. title that hardly anyone won the world's got or done, you know. So you know, it, it's an achievement, yeah. right? Of course, yeah. But for me, it's, it's never been. Um, I don't want to be that person to say, uh, you know, I was world champion. You yeah. know, you know, is the way we were brought up, perhaps a bit, a little more humble. You know, yeah. I, I did what I did as a job, and yeah. that was it. Did you enjoy the job? I loved it. I would not change not one thing. People yeah. say to me, oh, I shouldn't have fought American at that time in my career and I shouldn't have took that fight at that time in my career. No, they are 100% right. Would yeah. I go back and change it? Not a chance in hell. So when, if you, if you don't mind, we talk about like the retirement. So obviously yeah. that, was, that was forced upon you. It wasn't your decision. No. And as a boxer, you've always been preparation, 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 then something's taken away from you that you can't control. Yeah. How does that impact you, right? How does that? Well, it, 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 
it took a long time. Like, um, obviously, I had the stroke after one of my fights, mm. uh, my 44th uh, professional fight in uh, Camden Centre. Um, I won on points. But I knew pretty early in the fight that something weren't quite right with with me. Um, I did get caught with a shot, and not particularly a big shot, but there was something going wrong with uh, this side of my head, yeah. or my ear, really, predominantly. Yeah. Um, so I come back to my dad in the corner and said to him, you know, something's quite not right. And he was like, okay, no problem, we'll pull you out. But, you know, 44 fights in, and, you know, that was never going to happen. You know, I was never really in trouble as such. There was no pain in my head or um, just, just something weren't, I knew that something weren't right. Uh, but yeah. anyway, we, we carried on. I won comfortably on points. Um, got to see the doctor afterwards. He checked my ear because mm-hmm. uh, clear fluid was coming out of it. Um, and he said that I'd ruptured my ear or, you know, perforated the eardrum whatever it was at the time mm-hmm. like i say it's no problem so i pretty much went home spent a few days with this problem mm-hmm. um and i went to the gp i think that was on a friday i think i went to the gp on the monday um and still he, he really didn't give me any answers yeah um but then later on that night or a couple the next day i think it was maybe whichever um, I was uh, with my back to my wife trying to talk to her and mm. my speech was really slurred and yeah. she asked me to turn around and I turned around and obviously my face had all drooped and yeah. then I collapsed like the, the right side of me had all pretty much was slowly giving up on me. Yeah. Uh, so she called the ambulance, but I kept saying to her, no, 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 I'm all right. I'm all right. Like, just let me get in bed. I'll sleep it yeah. off. You know, you know, the fight was a tough one, you know, whatever mm. kind of rush I'm trying to make up just to, make it sound like it's all right, yeah. but she weren't having none of it. So um, the ambulance come and they see me and said, oh, it looks like you've had a stroke. And I was like, then? Like, yeah. how? Look at me. I'm in tremendous shape. I yeah. just boxed. You know, I just literally a couple of years, uh, months ago won a world title. And they were like, you won't be doing that again. Uh, yeah. So I went to hospital. I went to, I went to King's College Hospital. Uh, spent six days there in hospital and mm. yeah the, the pretty much the rest of it is like as an of a normal stroke victim you know yeah. it, was like, it was a long process back and i think after five days of being in and out of like they gave me some medication that i would sleep for long periods <laughs> but every time i woke my eyes up there was someone different there all the time one day yeah. my wife then it'd be my mom dad then my nanny granddad then my mm. aunts and uncles and i was like I think I might be dying. And mm. my wife was like, no, 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 you're not dying, but obviously it's pretty bad. And yeah. not, they all gone. The doctor come back to me and um, he was like, oh, how are you feeling? And I was laying in bed and I was like, yeah, I'm all right. No problem. But my only, my only question really, what I wanted to ask him was, am I going to box again? Yeah. And, him, and he said to me, there is no chance of you ever boxing again. Yeah. That was, that was the time that it took a long, long time to, yeah. You know, really, physically, no problem. Mentally, it absolutely destroyed me. Yeah. You know, because it's the way that I earn money. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, we had a son. He's 14 uh, now. But at that time, you know, he's a, he was young. Mm. Um, my wife was just falling pregnant with now with my daughter. Mm. Just got married. You know, as it was... It was a hard, hard pill to take to think, you know, 
what what am I going to do to earn the big bulk of my money? You know, mm. you know that we've always had to shop the gym and that for 21 yeah. years. Um, yes, I loved that. Now, but yeah. I didn't love that as much as fighting. Yeah. But yeah. that was that was my passion and my goal. Um, so obviously the mental health took its toll on me, you know, six months of, you know, sitting indoors, not going nowhere. Mm. You know, I was just frightened that someone would see me with my face drooping or mm. whatever. Um, but Hey, you know, again, you, you, you have to speak to people and I've got good friends yourself, mm. Tom Miller, you know, I've got mm. Carl Coston, I've got another guy called John Stewart, all been in, similar positions or even if not similar positions of losing loved ones and things like that or losing careers, but just being supportive in, as a yeah. friend. And, you know, people that were supposedly my friends disappeared. Yeah. The wagon for them had fallen apart. And, um, you know, that, that honey train was finished. No sitting ringside when I fought Amir Khan, you know, yeah. getting, me, getting that from fights. You know, it's nothing special, but they just were living off of somebody else's back. Yeah. Kind of work out who your real friends are in these big troubles. No, no, I, I must admit, it's one, it's one of my biggest things is loyalty and trust. And I'll be honest with you, I'm pretty naive in the fact that I'm quite open to loyalty and trust, first of all, but once it's broken, I'm I'm done. You know, it's that's that's me. It's uh, Well, because it costs no money, right? Loyalty yeah. and trust in somebody is nothing. It's free. And yeah. when they break it, why are they breaking it? Is because they can't receive what they think they want from that relationship. Yeah. And for me, it's very, it's very, it is again very difficult. And you know, so I don't see a lot of supposedly my old friends. Yeah, and that's good because I've got new friends and loyal yeah. friends. And you know, I like, I like a game of golf. Yeah. Um, I like to go and watch boxing. You know, I like to go and do sports activities. And now. I'm capable of doing that, you know, yeah. after the stroke situation and that. So it's it's all good. Good stuff. So that's really good to hear. And it's so you went from that, then it's got into coaching, and you you head coach in the Cayman Islands, yeah. uh, very successful in the Caribbean Championships, uh, yeah. and then the Commonwealth Games as well. Yeah. How did that come about? How's that all of a sudden being the coach when you were the boxer? Well, I had a friend who lived in Cayman, and um, like. So when I had, after I had the stroke, about a year later, I had a few boxers contact me who wanted me to help train them. Um, and in the process of my career going through, I did all my coaching badges. Yeah. I, I'd done the personal trainers. I did gym instructor, nutritionist. Um, and then I did all the amateur coaches, like all the levels, one, two, three, you know, just over a period of time. And um, my friend lived in Cayman and he was like, they're looking for a coach. And I was like, oh, do you know what? I don't really need that kind of trouble. Mm. I've been leaving and moving and so forth, so forth. So I just carried on coaching the amateurs and the pros here. I had a guy called Jamil Dahu, who's something like 18 and zero now with 15 knockouts. Mm. I trained him for the WBC youth world title. He won. Mm. Uh, and so it just kind of snowballed out of control from there. And then I eventually had to go and see my friend in Cayman. I went to the gym there, did some pads for the national team there. They, their coach had resigned or sacked, whatever it was. They asked me, would I be interested? Hey, I was in the Caribbean, living yeah. on a beach. You know, it, it seemed wonderful. Yeah. Um, 
everyone was welcoming there in the Caribbean, in the Cayman Islands. So I took I took the job, um, and I was there off and on for two or two and a half years. You know, so I went to two Caribbean Championships, Youth Commonwealth Games, World World Championship qualifiers, Senior Commonwealth Games in Australia. Yeah. Uh, and they had a they had a good team, you know, yeah. and it made my job a little bit easier. Um, I had good fighters, Dario Ebanks, um, Eduardo Tito, um, you know, Bruce, Bruce Coulston. You know, I, I was blessed with guys that were willing to fight. And then as I started, there was new generation of like Chambria Dollhouse, um, Alexander Smith. Brandy Barnes, you know, I just started nurturing new talent that were like rough, rough diamonds. And I was like, yeah. you know what? These guys could do well at a major tournament. Hmm. So I did take uh, Dario Ebanks and Brandy Barnes to the Senior Commonwealth Games in um, Australia. They both done really well. Dario lost to the gold medalist, Benjamin Whitaker, mm-hmm. which who is now one of the best talents coming out of England. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still speak to Dario now. He says, I'll fight him as a pro. If he wants eight rounds or 10 rounds, he'll fight him. Yeah. You know, he's not frightened. And like I say, it's over those distance. I'm telling you, that guy is originally a Cuban kid. Right. Uh, he is he's one of the most talented boxers I've dealt with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe we can try and get it on at some stage. Yeah. Um, Brandy was a little bit more inexperienced than she got a rough draw. She fought a lady from uh, Sri Lanka and she got beaten in a, in a quarter final. Um, so that was a shame, but again, they did from a, from an Island that's 60,000 population, yeah. you know, they done tremendous. Um, and then at, obviously before that, I was at the youth Commonwealth games with um, Shambria Dollhouse mm-hmm. and Alexander Smith. And um, they did themselves proud, but I think both got quarterfinals uh, and Shambria lost in a split decision and Alex lost. It got stopped in the mm-hmm. third round. But hey, again, somebody who's only having five, six, seven fights against guys of 50, 60, 70 fights is, yeah. is a big difference. But again, they've done themselves proud and their families and their country, obviously. Fantastic. And how did you find that transition into coaching, though, with like the man management? You've got someone there who's like a good talent but maybe doesn't have the right work ethic behind it or, you know, or what you have away. It's got the right work ethic, but maybe not the talent and try and marry them and get them working together. Yeah. So that can be a tough one. Like, um, and it did was a bit of a transition for me because of um, the way that I was brought up, you know, um, we was brought up that um, hard work beats talent mm. and I weren't the most talented, but I did my work. I trained hard. Um, I tried never to give up. You know, is there's times when it does hurt and you're, you're asking that question, mm, I don't think I can win. Dad mm-hmm. was there to say, come on, dig yeah. deep. You've got gum shield. It's only just you and him. He's got two arms. You've got two arms. Yeah. Come on, dig in, you know. So it did take a little while to try and get people to understand that concept of it, you know, is that some people are super talented and don't want to do the hard work and then other mm-hmm. people want to do the hard work but have got limited talent. Yeah. And... Yeah, it was tough to deal with. And mainly when I was in the Cayman Islands was harder. You'd have that kind of one would be one, one would be the other. But they were quite determined people and wanted to 
achieve something. So it kind of, I was again very lucky that it married up quite well. The ones who weren't as talented put the hard work in. The ones who were talented did eventually get to understand that the hard work will really help you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it was a hard transition because when you're trying to speak to people and say, come on, you've got to do this and you've got to do that. You don't know what problems they've got at home. Mm. And again, same situation, right? That I've been through. No one knows. I may smile and say, yeah, I'm all right today. But deep down, am I all right? Yeah. You know, no, I weren't. But again, you don't know what's happening. And, um, you know, is you kind of have to put your arm around some people. Some people don't want their arm around them. You know, yeah. it's... It, it, again, it's a it's a transition of knowing uh, your athlete, and like I always say to all my boxers, first and foremost, I can only train you if I like you. Mm-hmm. We've got we've got to be friends, you know. If we're going to go to camp, we could be together six eight weeks, you know. It's never going to be a bed of roses. Mm-hmm. We're not always going to agree on everything, but it don't mean that we got to fucking hate each other. Yeah. Excuse my language. That's so, right. But, that's right. Um, um, you know, and. So that's how I always try and do it is, you know, we've got to kind of meet somewhere along that path yeah. in a straight line. So you've gone from that and, you know, you're now back at Gumshoe and you've got some pros in your books. How's that going? Any- yeah, it's very good. Like I said, I've got um, some really top-class uh, French boxers. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the in the transition period of me being the national coach of Cayman, we was in England with Dariel. And a couple of the other came on as boxers, and actually the French box professional team come over from um, just outside of Paris, Laval, and um, they come over and sparred with all of my came on boxers, and they then eventually asked me would I be their coach, um, and I took on that job as well, um, just as my came on time was coming to an end. Um, so I started with the French boxers, and that's how it's kind of gone for the last six years now. Like I've got Jordi Wise. Uh, I pretty much this week. Yeah, on Friday this week, I leave to go to Paris. Mm-hmm. He's fighting. He's going to be thirty and zero now. So oh. he's thirty and zero. EU champion, um, IBO intercontinental champion, mm-hmm. WBA intercontinental champion, French champion. Uh, WBC Mediterranean champion. So we've had a good journey for the last six years. Um, and I've had others come along. Like I had um, one gentleman called Kareem Alishi. He beat the former world champion Solomon in Bay. Again, you know, I can only work with quality. Yeah. You know? And, you know, some people are not so quality, but I'm prepared to dig deep and work hard. So, again, I don't put it down to my coaching, but me being a guru or anything like that. I haven't got a magic wand. I just got a system that I like to stick to. Yeah. Um, and we'll see. You know, I can only be yeah, I can only be as good as the boxer that yeah. comes through the door. Yeah. So how how do you track more talent? Is it like word of mouth? Is it like Geordie, for example, who had to recommend someone else or Yeah, well pretty much like Geordie's pretty massive in France. So mm-hmm. they see me and you know, as I've got a pretty good team there in France. I've got a, a really great guy that I work with name, um, Chong. So he he comes and does a little bit of the speaking that, like I say, mm-hmm. you know yourself that I don't speak great French, but enough to get me through. Yeah. And he helps with the translation. He's great with cuts. He wraps beautiful hands. Yeah. Um, boxers here in England, the coaches probably much do 
a wide group of things like they do the coaching, they do the strength and conditioning, they'll wrap hands. I don't agree with that as such. I would prefer to do my job. I'm the boxing coach. I teach technique and set up a system for a fight to win. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm blessed. Like so, here I have Louis and my dad. Mm-hmm. Obviously, my dad is more experienced than me. Uh, and then Louis wraps great hands. Mm-hmm. And I can rely on him to do stuff if I'm in France. Same with my dad. Um, but when the the flipped and the French go back to France, I know they've got a team there that I can rely on to do what they've got to do. And yeah, I, again, I'm blessed. I can't I can't complain in any shape or form. Good stuff. So it's all about getting that trust and the loyalty in your team and stuff as well, and having their back and they have yours. Exactly. And it was probably one of the reasons I left Cayman. Mm-hmm. Um, my back was turned and other people got other agendas. agendas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a foreigner as such, but if you know me as a person, you spend time with me, you know that I'll do what I've got to do for anyone who's my friend or, mm-hmm. you know, but when it's not kind of being reciprocated, you kind of feel, mm, I don't really need yeah. to be here. I'll be around people that I can be around and know my job can be done properly. Yeah. And I think life's too short. And I, I, I certainly learned with my mum and dad going that life is too short, that you don't worry about people like that now. It's You've got to look after, number one, your people around you, I think. It's just... 100%. I totally agree with that. And like I say, my wife and children weren't happy in Cayman. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was as soon as she said to me that, you know, could we go home? Mm-hmm. That was it. We packed up. She actually yeah. did come home, and then I still commuted for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but hey, it was it's, it, it. Like I said, I can't fault that experience. That experience was amazing, and um, I'm I'm grateful for the Cayman Islands Association allowing me to do my job and yeah. uh, doing being part of that wonderful era. Uh, so, what's next then? What's what's next in the agenda? Uh, for me, that. You know, trying to stay on the right path, um, mm. being busy. Um, you know, physically, I'd probably like to lose a little bit of weight. Mm. Um, mentally, I'd like to stay on this this good path that I'm on now. I've got good yeah. people around me. You know, keeps yeah. my mind good. Um, touch wood. All my friends and family are in good health. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, we all stay like that and just keep churning out more champions it would be great yeah. you know we've got we've got an awesome amateur team you know yeah. we've got some fighters that are going to come through the ranks that are going to do really well again they've got to be a little bit lucky to perhaps reach the heights of being english champion or world champion like i was mm-hmm. um but it's never out of question you know just got to keep staying with it you know a bit of loyalty you know, trust, you know, there's certain fights we have to go forward with and then we've got to go back a little bit, you know, run over a few things, you know. So again, well yeah, we're uh, we're gonna we're gonna keep churning out champions. Mm-hmm. Um and in the meantime I wanna help Louis Curry get his chance to he's got a load of good amateurs. Um I want him to be the head coach as such mm-hmm. for them boxers and I do the assisting to help him have a have a career as a coach as successful as maybe I have. You know, it's you know it's 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 got going. Everyone's entitled to a chance, and everyone's entitled to yeah. you know they get their fighters, and other people want to take their good fighters from them. I'd rather help encourage 
mm-hmm. him to blossom as a coach and he can have a career, you know, because I'm 40 this year and it don't sound very old. Mm-hmm. Um, but doing the job that we've done or I've done for a long time, you know, from seven years of age, making weight, boxing, running, keeping fit, you know, the joints have took a little bit of a, yeah. a pounding, bad knees, bad hips, bad hands. Uh, this is not in really great shape, mm-hmm. um, but hey, that's the way the life goes, right? Yeah. But, um, I just want someone younger to come in and try and help them along as well. So what kind of advice would you give to, say, like Louis then, who's coming through now and he's trying to step his own, make his own mark, you know? What's... I I agree and, and think that he should stick with what he thinks is right. You know, mm-hmm. he, he's got to have his mind of how he would like a fight to be boxed and won. Mm-hmm. Um stick with it, you know, stick with what your, what your opinion is. You know, there's a lot of top class coaches out there. They've got different styles, different reasons of coaching. And, you know, he's, I've brought him along to some great gyms when I've been with Tony Sims out of Matchroom and mm-hmm. Ben Davison out of um, the Ben Davison Academy. You know, he's, he's getting to learn and look and, you know, as experienced as I am, I still go to these gyms and I see what Ben's doing. I see what Tony's doing. You know, they do little things different. You kind of think, oh, I like that. Some things I don't like, but that's only my opinion. I'm not saying yeah. it don't work. You know, is I'd rather just be open and look and learn. And, you know, that's all Louis's got to do, you know, or any other young coach, anyone else trying to be um, at the top of their game. Um, it's, you know, anything is possible. As long as you're prepared to learn, and go around and you know you've got to try things and that's my advice always to louis you know don't agree with what i do no problem you know you've got to make what bits of that work for you and what things don't work for you so in so in terms of advice and stuff what kind of how do you deal would you go with your gut or do you listen to advice and think actually i'm just going to listen to that no it's not right but i'll take it on board or i you know how, how do you take advice and do you well, go with your gut feeling? Well, for me, is I always, I'm a firm believer, as you know, is I've been and done every possible fight distance that any amateur can do to any professional can do. So I've done three one and a half, three twos, four twos, three threes as, a, as an amateur. Then as a pro, I've done four threes, six threes, eight threes, ten threes, twelve threes. So I kind of think that when I look down at my boxer, he can look at me and think, if I say, come on, dig a little bit deeper, he can look at me and think, he knows what he's talking about. You know, he has been there. I have been beaten. I've been beaten over 12 rounds. I've won over that distance. I've won over 10 rounds. I've lost over 10 rounds. You know, he's done, I've, I haven't had a perfect record of 44 fights and 40 wins, like you stated earlier. 30 wins, you know, I had 11 losses and three draws. So, again... There's been ups and downs, and I've got a lot of experience to call upon. The same now as Louis. Louis boxed as, as an amateur. He was very good. He's got a lot of experience to call upon himself. So with me just helping him on those longer distance fights, you know, he'll be thereabouts. And he'll, I don't think he should have to take it, um, what he thinks is right or wrong. You know, he can just process it in his own mind and and go with it, you know. It's yeah. just trial and error. Uh, good stuff, and I wish him best. And uh, he's a he's a good coach, and say so you, you guys have gone to you have certainly got me into shape, and I've lost it a little bit now, so I've come back again. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, but no, even like mentally, you guys, it's just the way you 
taking me on and like welcome me it's just absolutely awesome i can't thank you guys enough for that yeah but i say as you people forget that you know it's a two-way street like you know we help you like you say you lost your parents but in return you've helped us you know we've had a good journey you had your fight you won yeah you know there's you didn't want it to do it against perhaps other people's saying that they would prefer you not to yeah um you know about law in that case <laughs> yeah of course <laughs> but there's a lot of demons that go on then right because yeah. your, your wife is telling you come on like you you've got your family you've got your kids you know you're mm-hmm. going to work do you really need to be being punched in the head she is 100 yeah. right what 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 do we need it for mm-hmm. but I just think for our own minds and as men, you know, we want to keep challenging ourselves for life. And, and that's, that's how I think what we do, right? You know, is yeah. we take bigger jumps and do crazy things at times, but it is for, to keep us busy. Yeah. I like the challenge. It sounds dark, but sometimes I like, I'm comfortable being uncomfortable. I wanted to be in that situation. But the, the weirdest thing I found was when that bell went, I've never generally playing rugby, whatever, but generally never had someone really want to knock my head off. It was like he was as soon as that bell went, he was coming for me. It's like, okay, man, this is like this is game on now. Exactly that. But it does sound like there's a little bit of um movement in your belly that there might be a little bit of room for one more bout in there. Uh well, I might have to edit this bit out, but yeah, I'd like to do another one. But uh <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'd love to do another one. I really would. It's just yeah. But I'm, you know, I'm 43. I can't, I can't be doing it. I really can't. Well, the body kind of just after the years of rugby it takes yeah. its toll. Yeah. You know, and sport in general does take its toll. But hey, maybe it's time for Monty to have a go. Well, all being well, I'm mean, definitely edit that bit out. <laughs> 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 now, listen, I'm really conscious of your time. Uh, just in the wrap up in a nutshell, what kind of life lessons is uh, boxing given you? Well, boxing has gave me some great life lessons growing up on Thames, being on a council estate. I had one decision to make. Do I make the right path or do I make the wrong path? And I think that not just boxing, sport in general chose me or gave me the opportunity to choose the right path. And the life lesson there is, is that, you know, we have a decision to make, right? You can pick the right one or the wrong one. I much prefer sitting here, having my career, uh, Yes, okay, I've had the unfortunateness of having a stroke, but I wouldn't change any of it. I'm out of jail. I'm not, like, I've had my best friend die in my mum's arms mm. through drugs. You know, I've had people go in and out of jail. I don't want to be coming to visit no one in jail. and I don't want to be going to no one's funerals. So, mm. you know, we all have a choice in life. And my choice was to stick with sport and... You know, for me, that that's that's the best life lesson I could have ever give. Like my son plays football now, stick with it. You know, you'll have better friends doing this than you will with these so-called people that just want to tag along. Yeah. Um, I hope that that's perhaps maybe the right answer or not the right answer. It's just my opinion. Um, yeah, it's definitely an opinion I agree with. Oh, I know, think yeah. Don't matter where you go in the world, you play any sport. You know, there's an introduction to any life like. Oh, um, you watch football? No, I don't really watch football. I like a bit of rugby. Okay, what rugby team? Like, mm-hmm. like you know that I trade in Cold Heyman. Yeah. You know, so all of a sudden, you, Tom, a few other people are like, wow, Cole Heyman. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, or, and, or you might support Chelsea like we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're talking about the times of football and the great times of Gianfranco Zola. 
all of a sudden you're sitting there two, three hours later, you know, you're having dinner with someone, you've met their wife, their children have come. It, it's just the best way. It really yeah. is. I think sport's a great leveller. It's, you know, yeah. the ball bounces the same way for everyone. The, the punch in the face is going to land on everyone, you know. It's just, you've got to do it. You've got to back yourself, I guess. Exactly that, yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time, Ryan. I really genuinely appreciate it. Absolute honour and a privilege to have you on. Honestly, it's just uh, absolutely awesome. My, my my pleasure. Like I say, I love it. Like, and if if this could ever help anyone in in any way, even just one person, then it's job done, right? Agreed. No, that is absolutely awesome. Thank you very much. Well, thank you very much for listening to Previous Learn with our excellent guest Ryan Barrett. A couple of key takeaways for me there was the importance of the people around you. And to me, that is number one I refer to. Uh, so Laura, Monty and Olivia are my team and my priority. But I also don't think it's ironic at all that it was from a world champion boxer that you learn the concept of resilience. Yes, you may get knocked down, but as long as you get up more times, you get knocked down and you're doing something right. So on that note, thank you very much again for listening to Previously Learn. And don't forget to like and subscribe and uh, hopefully speak to you soon. Bye-bye.